First Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five. Beginning in verse 8, or, yeah, verse 8 and verse 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. I pray the Lord bless the reading of his word. I'm in no way this morning qualified or experienced enough in this subject to truly instruct you, even though I've been in the ministry for 35 years and saved for over 40. Our subject this morning is our great adversary, and he's been much longer in this conflict than I have and has a great more experience than I do. Yet I wish merely this morning to proclaim the truth of God which alone has proven itself to defeat such a foe. And the hymn that we just sang spake well of that conflict. Few hymns have captured so clearly, I believe, over the years of my own Christian life, the stark reality of the Christian's spiritual conflict with Satan than this hymn pinned down by Martin Luther so many years ago, written from his insight from Psalm 46. Yet this spiritual conflict, beloved, between God's people and Satan began long before Martin Luther penned his very first words. For from the very beginning of time, when man was in a state of innocency and perfection in the Garden of Eden, before he became depraved by sin, Satan set his sight on his destruction and the disrupting of God's sovereign plan and purpose. Even after the fall of Adam, the very first blood spilt was that of righteous Abel, by his own brother, who the Bible says was of the wicked one. The conflict of which we speak this morning has been raging since the beginning of time. And our adversary is very wise and astute. Knows much more about this battle than we do. Therefore, it's important for us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and arm ourselves with the spiritual armor of God, and follow the captain of our salvation. For to attempt to fight this conflict in our own power and own understanding only means to fail. The spiritual conflict has since raged from every generation. Not one who has truly been saved by the sovereign grace of God has ever been spared from the evil onslaughts of this great adversary. Not one. And though some generations have been subject to his evil wiles and tactics more severely than others, 
No true child of God has ever been spared his evil and wicked temptations. I fear for some of you this morning that know not Christ, because though we are in as Christians in a spiritual battle, you're under slavery, and that's under Satan's. You're bound by darkness. And the devil's your master. You say, preacher, I believe God is sovereign. He is sovereign. Yet I'm telling you from the beginning of time, Satan has set his sights on destroying mankind. Ruining him and devouring him. And if he can just but pull their souls down to the depths of hell, he uses every effort, every power, everything he has to condemn and destroy the souls of men, women, and children. And if you're here this morning without Christ, He's drawing you farther and farther into the depths of darkness and despair. And I pray that God would open your eyes up this morning to help you realize that there is such a thing as the devil. Many put him off today as simply being something superstitious or some kind of evil force. But I'm telling you here, here this morning, even you as Christians, that so often forget we have an adversary, we have an adversary. And he is a great adversary. And he's real. And he's out to devour the souls of men. If our gospel be hid, said Paul, It's from those or by those who have been blinded by the God of this world. Since the very beginning of time, Satan's main goal is the destruction of mankind, of humanity, and the thwarting of God's purposes. And even though we as Christians know that in the end, Christ shall be victorious, and we in Christ shall be victorious. I'm telling you, before we get to eternity in this present life, our great adversary can still cause the believer great woe and sadness. I fear the church of God today has become so complacent and at ease and so self-confident that they truly believe this great adversary and the spiritual conflict of which the Apostle Peter writes is no longer a great threat. You look amongst the majority of believers today, you do not get a sense that they're in a world full of evil. In a fallen world where Satan and sin is our adversary and our enemies. Christians don't sense the threat of an adversary. He's become so secret and deceivable that many Christians don't even mention the fact that he exists. And he's gained much ground in his being secretive and in our complacency and our being at ease. What do you think a true child of God who's living for God, loves God, reads the Word of God, prays, is constantly spiritually on edge? Because he knows 
from his fellowship with Christ and walking with the Lord, he knows and senses this presence of an adversary constantly. And though Satan is not omnipresent as God is, he still roams about. Many believe the church of God has become wiser and more knowledgeable in of his evil tactics and therefore need not to be so concerned about this roaring lion. The temptations, dearly beloved, that we have every day, those thoughts that go in our minds and our hearts, those temptations from the things in the world, the temptations of our own depraved heart, Satan uses those things in his tactics. And we allow sometimes these temptations to take place without even thinking there's an adversary that's placing that seed in my heart, in my mind. I'm getting ahead of myself, but the evidence of it is seen in the divisions and schisms of Christians. That's his greatest success down through the ages. He tempts our hearts and our minds of these things, and we don't even, we don't even realize. We're not even susceptible that this is the adversary. You know, Peter's divine exhortation is very real and just as relevant, if not more so, and vital for today as it was when he first, by the Holy Spirit, pinned down these words. We have an adversary. A great adversary. And Peter would describe him to us in our text. He says, first of all, in verse 8, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, Walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He says he is the devil. That's your adversary. Think about this for a moment. Because many times Christians, I believe in this day and age, because of their complacency, don't give enough thought about the adversary. He is the devil. He's an evil spirit. He's a fallen angel. He's expelled from heaven for rebellion against God. He's implacable. That means unappeasable. Uh, he's unsparing. He's the enemy and tempter of the human race and the honor of God. He's the devil. That's our adversary. He's the devil himself. Stephen King has nothing on the biblical description of the devil. Peter said he's the devil. He says, secondly, he's a roaring lion. He's vicious. He's fierce. He lives on prey. And I know there's some comfort, like Spurgeon said, in knowing that he's merely a roaring lion. He roars, and that's all he can do towards Christians. But still, the emphasis Peter puts upon a roaring lion is that he's vicious. He's fierce. He lives on prey. He's destructive. Do you know he's trying to destroy our families and our loved ones? Do you know if we have family members that are lost, he does all that he can to keep them from knowing Christ? Do you know that there's an adversary in your very home that's trying to keep your children and your loved ones from knowing Christ? Do you, are you susceptible to the fact that there's an adversary fighting against your every effort? In reaching your loved ones for Christ, there's a spiritual battle going on. And many times in this day and age of Christianity, of knowledgeable Christianity, we don't give that a second thought. But you have an adversary. He's the devil. P 
Peter says he walketh about. He's unceasing. He's incessant. He's relentless. He's unwavering. He won't stop. And he won't stop in his efforts to what? To devour. Seeking whom may, he may devour. He's not, beloved, he's not seeking to maim us or bruise us, but to destroy, to consume. What a description of our adversary. He's the devil. He's a roaring lion. He's, unses- he's incessant. And his main desire, his main goal is not to maim or bruise, but to destroy, to consume. And yet how often do we as God's children consider that this adversary even exists? Even the smallest temptations, dearly beloved, that come across our mind and our hearts or the temptations that come across us in the world throughout the week, many times we don't even give a second thought to who these temptations come from. We're complacent. Woe to them that are ease in Zion, the prophet said. We're in a, we live in a world that lieth in wickedness. It's a fallen world where the world and sin and Satan are constantly against us. I'm, beloved, I'd like to tell you that this is the place where we need to just put up our, our, put up our tents and rest and take ease. But it's not. This is a world of sin and wickedness and Satan. And look at the way it's going nowadays. Look at how the world's drastically changing and getting more vile and wicked. They're being more open to sin. The world's embracing every all this. And who do you think's behind a lot of this? Very little thought is given to the adversary. Oh, we know that the majority of it is because of the depravity of man. He's sinful. But we often overlook our adversary. There was a time in church history where the adversary got too much credit. Now one bear hears very little about him. But he's there. And Peter would have us be reminded that he's very real and very treacherous and very incessant. And that he is the epitome of wickedness itself. And he doesn't care. He's unsparing. And his main desire, his main purpose is the destruction of mankind and the thwarting of God's purposes. Even though as Christians we know that he'll never thwart God's purposes, that doesn't stop Satan from trying. I mean, if he's arrogant enough to stand before the Son of God and seek to attempt him as his own word, who are we to try to match Satan with Scripture? Amen. First of all, of this description of our adversary, first of all, this devil, Peter says, is our adversary. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, Peter, led by the Holy Spirit, wants us to know he's an adversary. He's not merely the devil. He's your greatest adversary. He's your arch enemy. 
He's not a friend, nor a companion. He's not merely anyone. But Peter would have us clearly understand that he is our adversary. He's out to do us harm. And he doesn't care. He has no sympathy. He has no mercy. He does not spare anything. He doesn't care. He'll use the most violent tactics and wiles. We look at some of the things we see around the world now, and it just kind of makes us, I don't know about you, you, you can't even look at the news anymore without seeing these horrible, heinous crimes being committed in the world. Now, I'm not saying they weren't there years ago, but it just seems as though they're growing in number all the time. People are doing the most heinous of crimes, not merely killing people, but dismembering them, living with corpses. They're doing weird and malicious and heinous things. It's a vile adversary we got. This is the only time in Scripture where Satan is described as our adversary. Though it's implied everywhere in Scripture, this is the only time that Satan is described as our adversary. And that by the man who had himself experienced the reality and blows of his evil temptations twice. Twice. Peter's speaking from experience. I like how Paul, and later on Ephesians, we might look at that a little bit later on in, the, in this message down the road, but how Paul talks about it being, we're wrestling. It's a, it's, a, it's a personal contact sport. He gets that close to us. It's not shooting from a distance. Satan gets so close, we wrestle with him spiritually. And I don't know about you, but there's been times in my Christian life, and I'm not proud of them, and I, it puts fear in my heart, where I have felt and sensed the presence of Satan, and it's not something very calming or comforting. There's something evil and wicked about it. And our children and our loved ones need to know that he's real, he exists, and he's out for your destruction. Because our adversary, the Christian has an adversary, beloved. The world and our own sin, he uses at his own disposal to entrap and to snare and devour us. I say this because so many professing believers today live as though they have no adversary who seeks their destruction. You wouldn't believe that they have an adversary. For though Paul exhorts us to be not ignorant of his devices... In 2 Corinthians, which we'll read in a minute, I fear many professing believers today are just that. They're ignorant of his devices. They don't know that it's Satan doing this. I'm telling you, and most of it, we'll, we'll look at that in a few minutes, but most of this, the evidence of this, is seen in the schisms and divisions of God's people. Christians really believe that God would allow them such thoughts towards one another as believers that can only be satanic, and yet they embrace them and justify them. And it's wicked. It's an abomination. They don't know. They're ignorant of his devices. I think and believe with all my heart, that's why Peter says, be sober, be vigilant. Before he says, resist steadfast in the faith, he said, be sober, temperate. Not just not being excessive in, in fleshly desires, but being temperate. But be vigilant. Watch. 
think for a minute. He doesn't immediately say resistant faith. He says it has to do with your thinking and your watchfulness. Satan has gained much ground amongst the ranks of God's elect because of such spiritual ignorance. Alone, the amount of discord and schisms amongst true believers is the greatest evidence of our adversary's success. You want to see the adversary's success? Look at the schisms, discord, and divisions amongst God's people. You say, I don't believe that. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me show you something, what Paul says here. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 in verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. Paul speaking about unity amongst the beloved and forgiveness. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. Listen to these words. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Why? Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Look at the context. He says, if you're not careful, not just heated passion towards one another, but unforgiving spirit for one another is something that Satan sows against you, and he'll use that, he says, as an advantage against us. That's one of his, he says, devices. We're not ignorant of his devices. Paul says Satan is actually involved in schisms and divisions and heated passions amongst Christians. He said you need to be careful of that. And yet in this day and age, everybody justifies the reason for schisms. Oh, I have a biblical reason for it. Oh, it just breaks my heart when Christians use Scripture and rest it to justify their own personal feelings. I've been hurt and therefore the Bible, I'm going to force or sway or rest to support my hurt feelings. Let us hold our convictions, let us hold our understandings, let us hold everything that we believe to be true in the light of Scripture and let Scripture interpret Scripture. I feel Satan has been most successful in concealing this evil tactic from God's elect than any other. He's weakened the ranks of God's people. I'm telling you, you scatter the sheep, and when they're alone and when they're by themselves... They have no or little comfort or strength or refuge against Satan. And yet so many today justify it. I fear Satan has been successful in concealing this evil tactic from God's elect than any other and therefore has gotten an advantage of many. And they don't even recognize it. They'll justify their being independent on Scripture. Well, I'm defending the faith. That's what Paul's saying in our text. Don't be pharisaical about other people and begin condemning them and ruining them because your, your effort should be to bring them to the light of the truth. Get them to understand. That's the scriptural Christian way of dealing with differences. You want, you want people to be able to see the light of the truth. You don't want to just stand for your conviction and go, well, my conviction is more important than unity, therefore I leave, I depart. It's satanic. Paul says, no. Lest Satan should get advantage of us. Even in our text. The knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in our brethren. 
that are in the world is grounds for hope and encouragement. Even in our text, Paul said, this is how important unity is. This is how important it is that Christians bond together. Because Satan will take an advantage of you if you don't. Knowing. Him resist steadfast in the face. Knowing. It's amazing how Peter does that. That the same affliction is accomplished in our brethren. There's fellowship there. A brother writes another brother. Hey, listen, uh, Satan tried this or I fell into this and God had mercy and encourages, strengthens the brother. When, since when do we think we need to find a perfect church that has no mistakes and no failures and no sins and no controversies and no differences? Satan knows that and he plays on that. We have an adversary. You know, even in his very first temptation against man, in his perfection, in his state of innocency, <clears throat> this was Satan's goal of separation, divisions, and schisms. First of all, he gets Eve alone. People say a lot about that, but Eve was alone. I don't know why she was alone, but if Adam was there, maybe they could have encouraged one another. Maybe Adam could have said, hey, Eve, get to stay away. You follow me? He gets Eve alone. After they did eat the fruit, it says they hid themselves, not only from God, but from what? From one another. They hid themselves from one another, not just God. <clears throat> Adam said, we hid ourselves. Why? We're naked. They looked at each other, both naked, and they hid themselves from one another. Adam's alone, uh, Eve was taken alone. They hid themselves from one another. Satan's already in the process of breaking up that which should be one flesh, that unity. You know what happened in the end of it? When God showed up, what did Adam do? It's the woman you gave me. They turned on each other. Oh no, it's a serpent. The, <clears throat> you see, even in the very in the, in the very first temptation, you see Satan doing that. And yet we live in a generation of such knowledgeable Christians who know so much about the doctrines of grace and have read all the books from the reformers to the Puritans and they stand in arrogance of their knowledge of God and they justify these things and it makes me ill. I've always been a firm believer of that. There's nothing in Scripture, nothing in Scripture, nothing in Scripture besides that of false doctrine that should ever ever be non-reconcilable amongst believers. Christian, you have an adversary, an arch enemy, an implacable enemy and tempter of the human race in the honor of God, who as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. This is something that we always constantly need to be aware of. And believe me, dearly beloved, if we are seeking to live close to Christ and we do desire to love God, and by God's grace we're doing everything we can to be the Christian God would have us to be, you'll know of His presence. You don't have to seek Satan out. It's like I said, when we began singing those hymns this morning, and people say, Preacher, you exaggerate, but I don't, I'm telling you. It's just like you're in a crowd. If we was in a crowd of 100 people, and everybody's talking, and suddenly somebody yells out, Hey, Johnny! 
What's Johnny going to do? I'm telling you, every time the Church of God opens up the Scripture and starts revealing this adversary, we do attract his attention. He doesn't want to be revealed. He doesn't want us to know his tactics or his devices. Years ago, he thought physical persecution was the key to his success. He found out that didn't work. The more he slaughtered the martyrs, the more Christianity, just like in the book of Exodus, the more they sought to kill the young boys, the more more they sought to kill the Jews, the more they multiplied. That didn't work for him. In this day and age, he's clever. He disguises himself as an angel of light. And there's such a disguise, he does a lot more damage to Christians. Oh, he's he's there, dearly beloved. He's there. And he'd much rather we're not aware of his presence. But he's there. And if we stay close to Christ, we can't help but sense and know his presence. Or do we? We are of ourselves no match for such a great adversary. For even the wisdom of a Solomon, the heart of a David, the righteousness of a Job, and the knowledge of Paul were of themselves no match against this common adversary. How shall we fare without Christ? We're no match for Satan. Like I said in the beginning, I've been saved for 40 years. What's 40 years compared to 6,000 years? Oh, I'm telling you, this great adversary has met some fine men and women in history. Some very strong Christians that would put our faith to shame and has overcome them. What match are we? Why do we play as though we have already won? In Christ spiritually, we have. But I'm telling you, beloved, as long as we're in this present world, ask David how he felt. Ask Job. Ask Peter. Peter, what was it like to be sifted? Peter said, oh, nothing broke my heart more. And when Christ lifted up his eyes and looked at me that third time, I denied him. And it pierced my soul, and I went out and wept bitterly. I denied my Savior three times. Three times, and what hurts the most is my Savior warned me that he, that I would do that, and I didn't listen. Oh, John 21, thank God for that. Peter, lovest thou me three times. Thank God for that experience. But I'm telling you, Peter felt, Peter felt the woes and onslaughts of Satan, and they are not, they are not something that we would should desire or ever forget. He's real. He's active. He's walking about. He's a roaring lion, and he's seeking to devour. He's seeking to devour the souls of men, women, and children. He's out to devour the souls of our loved ones that are yet without Christ. Should this not enhance our prayers to our Father in heaven, Save our loved ones that they might not fall into the condemnation of Satan.
did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is he, Lord Sabaoth's name from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. There's how we get the victory. There's how we fight this battle, not in our own strength, but in his. Yes, he's a great adversary, but we have a great captain who's met him on the field in Mark or Matthew chapter 4, who's met Satan himself, who defeated him on Calvary, who defeated him in the grave and took the keys of heaven, of hell and death and took it with him. He's our victory. In him we have victory. That doesn't diminish our adversary's tactics or his evilness. It doesn't diminish his attempts to devour us, but that's our victory. And this is what I don't get from this generation of believers who are so doctrinally educated. God is sovereign, and yes, in Christ we do have the victory, and yes, we, Christ will have the last word, but we still struggle against our adversary in this present world. He's still seeking to devour the souls of men, women, and children. Such knowledge of God make us complacent? No. And though this world with devil's field should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed His truth to triumph through us. His truth. We tremble not at Him, His rage we can endure, for lo, His doom is sure, one little word shall fail Him. <laughs> That's our adversary. He's the devil. He's as a roaring lion. He's fierce and vicious. He walketh about, he's incessant, unwavering, and his goal is to devour the souls of men, women, and children. Never take this adversary lightly. Never take him lightly. Be sober, be vigilant, resist steadfast in the faith. Now that we know our adversary, hopefully, and there's a lot more we probably could have in this time described him, but I think you got the gist of what Peter's saying. We know our adversary. He is real. He is vicious. He is a terrible adversary. Now Peter says, if you know your adversary, be sober, be vigilant. Resist steadfast in the faith. Threefold exhortation. Be sober, be vigilant, resist steadfast in faith. You know something about this threefold exhortation? It's all defensive not offensive. You'll never read in Scripture where God says, I want you to go down there and just whoop Satan. No. It's always resisting. Even Ephesians 6. The believer is told to stand fast. Withstand. Stand against. It's all defensive. Isn't that amazing? Even Christ is our example in Matthew chapter 4. He had the power and the ability to annihilate Satan right there on the spot. But he took a defensive mode. Scripture gave, Satan gave Scripture, Christ gave it back. Satan gave Scripture, Christ gave it back. That's our key. That's our goal. Scripture. Scripture. Not your own wisdom. Not your own understanding. Not, you know. But everywhere in Scripture, we're not told that we have the power to go up and say, Satan, be gone! Or Satan, I cast you out. Now, Christ had that, and Paul had that, and the apostles had that. But you remember when some men tried that? <laughs> 
And Satan goes, Paul I know and Christ I know, but who are you? And he jumped on him. We're never in Scripture told to do such a thing with Satan. We're told to withstand him, resist him. Submit yourselves, James says, 4-7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Peter says it. But resist steadfast in the faith. The believer's primary duty in the spiritual conflict is resisting, withstanding, standing against. It's defensive. Stand your ground. Stand against the wiles of the devil, Ephesians 6 says. Within, stand, withstand in the day of evil, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore. Those are all the verbs, all the words, I mean, that, that Paul uses in the spiritual armor. It's a defensive mode. Stand against, resist. Stand against, resist. That's what we do. Beloved, it is vital in this spiritual conflict that we understand the divine concept and biblical instructions concerning this warfare and how we are to resist Satan steadfast in the faith. All these charismatic churches that says, I'm going to just cast Satan out, and I claim this in Jesus' name, and Satan, we you know, adhere you to leave, and we have power over Satan, and I claim the victory, is a bunch of nonsense. It's the devil's lie, and the devil stands back laughing. For Satan is too great an adversary and has been in conflict with God's people since the beginning of time. Therefore, has a vast amount of experience and knowledge of sinful man and his weaknesses. He's not ignorant of us. Therefore, God give us grace in the next few weeks to listen to Paul, to Peter's instructions. Listen to the word. He has, he has ordained that God's truth should triumph through us. Martin Luther said that to him. And that's exactly what we need. We don't understand the spiritual conflict. It's been gone way too, too long for us to comprehend it without scripture. Scripture needs to guide and instruct us in the conducts of this spiritual warfare or we will fail. And it's amazing how Peter says sober and vigilance leads the way. Think about it. Be temperate. Be watchful. Don't be overrun by your compassions. You know, most people, that happens to a lot of us. We're human. Sometimes something happens and we just get so passionate about something, we make the wrong decision, say the wrong thing. Peter said, in your conflict with Satan, you can't do that. Be sober. Be temperate. Be grave. Be watchful. Be vigilant. Consider the consequences. Think about it. For then you'll be able to resist him steadfast. Amazing how the scripture teaches us practical things like that. First you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, knowing that you can cast your care on him. And then Peter says, now be sober and be vigilant in your thinking, in your watchfulness, so that you can resist him steadfast in the faith. And what is going to be a great encouragement for you is that you know that your brethren are accomplishing the same things in the world. So encourage one another in that battle with Satan. Encourage one another. Assemble yourself together. Provoke one another to love and to good works as you see the day cometh. Why is that so important? It's vital that Christians learn how to support and comfort one another in the spiritual conflict. You remember when, when uh, they were fighting against the uh, enemies of God, the Amalekites, I believe, and Moses was up on the hill and Joshua and Hur had to hold up his hands. And as long as they held up his hands, they were winning. But when his hands drooped down, they would lose the battle. So Joshua, and I think it was her, got up underneath him and held his arms up. They helped him 
lifting his hands up to God because his arms were getting weary. As long as they, there, was, there was a community in that. I'm telling you, one way we have victory over Satan in this world, one way we have victory in this conflict is by supporting one another as believers, encouraging one another. When Satan, when Satan succeeds in dividing us, we fall. And he knows that when we're together, there's strength in the multitude of counsels. Satan knows that. So let us be sober, be vigilant, as we'll look at next week more closely and hopefully learn from Peter's instruction who learned by experience what it is to be sober or what it should be to be sober and vigilant and resist. The spiritual armor must be of God. Beloved, the captain of our salvation is Christ. Therefore, let us be sober, be vigilant, that we might resist him steadfast in the faith. That's our victory over the adversary. But if anything today, I wanted to remind you with Peter's words, I wanted to impress upon your heart and your mind, maybe anew, we have an adversary, and he is a terrible and vicious and incessant and wavering adversary. And his main desire is not to maim or bruise, but to devour. He's out to devour the very souls of men and thwart the purposes of God. We have to be constantly aware that we live in a world where this adversary is walking about. Look at the news. Look at the world. A lot of that is because of the depravity of sin, yes. But a lot of it is satanic. And we should be aware of that. May God give us grace to be sober and vigilant and watchful. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning for revealing our adversary anew. Lord, he goes so often concealed and unseen and unrecognized. And Lord, when we get complacent and we become at ease in Zion, Lord, we let down our guard. And Lord, he can easily sweep in and tempt us. He does it subtly. He does it quietly. Oh, Lord God, like Eve in the garden, Lord, he appeared as something that he wasn't. He didn't want to frighten her. And Lord, his subtlety deceived her into thinking something, Lord, that was unbiblical, causing her to fall. Lord, I pray that, Father, you'd help us to be reminded that every day of this life, every day in this world, though he's not omnipresent, he can't be everywhere at one time, as God is, Yet, Lord, he walketh about. And, Lord, when he sees a chance, Lord, he'll strike. Help us to be watchful and sober. Dear God, give us the grace to do that. We can't do that in our own understanding. Help us, Lord God, to read the word of God that we might be equipped to hear the voice of our shepherd and not the wolf. Help us, Lord God, to know the difference. May we follow Christ. And may we, by your grace, put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to withstand in the evil day and dunning all to stand in Christ Jesus. Lord, we look forward to that day when your word says one word shall fail him. And Lord, the Old Testament says they'll look upon him who's deceived the nations and they'll stand in wonder that this was the man, this was the individual that caused so much chaos. Lord, I look forward to that day when the world's sin and Satan shall be forever defeated. Until then, Father, Lord, I pray that you'd wake up your children. Call us, Lord God, to the battle. Help us, Lord God, to ever be alert and watchful. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen.